0: So good morning again and happy sabbath. Yes, it's uh it's a long weekend doesn't look like but for some people it's going to be for others or it's it's just a regular weekend and some people will be back at work on Monday but there are many others who, who have a long weekend. And uh, this morning on the road we could we could see the impact of the long weekend because there was a, a lineup and then and the traffic was was heavy. It was flowing still but But many cars come into this region. I guess some people are coming to their cottages, but others are probably going all the way out to Ottawa for the weekend. Uh, And we thank God that of all the places you could have chosen to be, you chose to be here this morning, right? Not because of me, but because this is the place where you and God can meet, right? Now, God is, uh, is omnipresent, right? Uh, on your way home you 'll have god 's protection as well. When you get home, you can have uh, a private, intimate conversation with God. But there is something, as I preached about this before, there is something that happens when god 's people gets, toge- gets together, and we gather together and we worship the Lord. there 's something special that happens, and the Lord manifests His presence in a special way. Now, nobody likes to be, to be lied to, right? We all appreciate the truth. We may not be the, the most truthful person all the time, but we all appreciate truth. We all appreciate being told the truth. And uh, some time ago, I don't know if you heard about this, but in 2013 in Australia, uh, in January, a man posted this picture on Facebook. And he had a measuring tape. And he posted on Facebook on, on a Subway Australia Facebook page saying that his sandwich, his foot long sandwich was actually only 11 inches. And he was going to sue Subway because of that. And in fact after that two other men in the United States and New Jersey did the same. They posted pictures of their foot long sandwiches being smaller than a whole foot but subway australia responded saying that the the bread was not to their standards it had not been prepared to their standards but that foot long subway foot long it's a trademark and it's only it's only saying that is a descriptive name it's it's not actually intended to be a measurement of length that's what subway said and that didn't please the men but nobody he felt that he was being lied to nobody likes to be lied to, right? And so today we are going to talk about that, about telling the truth and being truthful and to what extent. Now this picture here, it has, it has nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted you to clear your minds of that subway sandwich. But before we open the scripture, let, me, let us pray and ask for God's direction. Please join me as far as possible. Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for the privilege of being here, and we praise your name. And we ask the Lord that as we we study your word, that we may find practical counsel, practical direction. That we may try, Lord, every day to open up our hearts and allow Jesus to to complete the change that He has started. That we may be more and more like Him as He lives His life in us. That we may be more truthful. That we may, Lord. Uh, abide by your word and your word only. That everything that I say here this morning, Lord, may be a reflection of your will, of your wisdom, and not my own. And be with all of us here, with every worshiper. Help us to open up our hearts and minds and be humble and be willing to accept your will. I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And our scripture reading came from Colossians 3.8. To ten, And that's what Paul is saying there. Paul is being quite clear in regard to, to us being truthful. And he says, let me read it again and please follow with me, Colossians 3 verses 8 through to 10. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And so Paul is saying all of that you practiced before, but now you're to put off all of that anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, lies, filthy language. Do not lie to one another. You put off all of that. Because now you, have, you are a new creature in Christ. And when blatant lies come our way, we usually are able to recognize them. Right? If someone lies about their degrees and we see that the person doesn't, does not have the credentials that they they're saying they had. That's, that's pretty blatant. When we say one thing and we do something else. Or when, when a married man, for example, wearing a wedding ring, tells a woman that he's not married. That's clearly a lie. But then there are other things. There are the half-truths. There are the, the fibs. And I, I was looking at the dictionary, the Oxford Dictionary. The definition of half-truth is this. It's a statement that it's only, only partly true, especially one intended to deceive, evade blame, or the like. And so, as we're going to see here, the truth may not always be said in full. However, when parts of the truth are concealed to deceive someone or to evade blame, that's a half-truth. And there are those little white lies, those half-truths, like cheating at an exam. Or using threats or lies to correct our children for things that they do innocently. But we want to, to make sure that they do exactly how we want them to do. And though we threaten them with lies, we we promise things that we cannot accomplish. Or maybe you've, you've said something like this, or you've been You've been told something like, yes, the check is in the mail. You know, give me your number and the doctor will call you right back. Or you come to someone who is hurting you and you say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. No, it doesn't really. And speaking of half-truth, someone said this, beware of the half-truth. You may have gotten hold of the wrong half. And unfortunately, that's the nature of man. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 58, verse 3. The Bible says that they go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. That's human nature before conversion. I was reading the other day some statistics, and they said that I actually have some statistics here that I'm going to show shortly. But they say that the average child, begin to, begin, the average child will begin to tell lies just around the age of two or three. And by the age of four, 90% of all children have really, really learned the concept of lying at the age of four. Now look at this. These statistics come from from several different sources, like the Newsweek magazine and U.S. News and other psychology studies. But 12% of adults admit to telling lies sometimes or often. 12%. 80% Eighty percent of women admit to occasionally telling harmless half-truths. I'm going to talk about the men shortly. Thirty-one <laughs> percent of people admit to lying on their resumes. Thirteen percent of patients lie to their doctor. Forty percent of patients lied about following a doctor's treatment plan. 60% of all people lie at least once during a 10-minute conversation. I had something about the man here. Sorry, I think it got left out. It <laughs> was, was not intentional. It was not deceiving anyone. I did have it in my notes before. Sorry. Six is the average number of lies per day told by men to their spouse, boss, or colleagues. And three, only half of that is the average number of lives per day by women to their spouse, boss, or colleagues. So women are more truthful than men. I was reading the story the other day of this man who had, who had planted some watermelons in his backyard. And he was getting upset because the kids in the neighborhood would come at night and steal the watermelons. And he wanted to put an end to that. He said, this is not fair. I'm having all the work here to, to uh, plant these watermelons and care for them. And when time has come to eat them, the kids come and take them away. And so he came up with this idea. He put a big sign in the yard. And the sign simply said, one of these watermelons is poisonous. Now, none of the watermelons were poisonous. But he said, one of the watermelons is poisonous. So it was what? It was what? It was a lie. It was lying. But he said that. Now obviously the kids, not knowing which one was bad, they would stay away from all of them. They would not steal any of the watermelons. But none were poisonous. The man had lied in an attempt to protect his crop from thieves. Now the next day he woke up and he came out to see his watermelons. And much to his surprise and his chagrin, he saw that the kids had messed up with the sign. They crossed off the word one and they wrote two. And they said, two of these watermelons are poisonous. And now he would never know which one of the watermelons the kids would have played with. And so he had to lose all of his crop. And so uh, the lesson is that lies. They have a way of coming back around, right? Austin O'Malley, he was a professor of English literature. He was quoted saying, A lie has no legs. It requires other lies to support it. You tell one lie and you're forced to tell others to back it up. So the best thing is what Paul says here in Colossians 3.10. Put on the new man who is renewed. Or verse 9, rather. Uh, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Paul tells us to put, on, to put on the new self, to head in the new direction, and have the way of thinking that the Holy Spirit gives us. And leave behind the practice of lying. Lying undermines our freedom and unity in Christ. Lying to each other disrupts unity by creating conflicts and destroying trust. So just don't lie. Tell the truth always. Just tell the truth. It may sound simpler than it is in practice. But that's that's what the word of God is telling us. Don't lie, tell the truth. But to what extent? To what extent should the truth be told? Are we supposed to tell the truth all the time? To tell the whole truth all the time to all people around us? Yes? Well, let's see what the Bible teaches us. But before we get to the Bible, you you all remember the witness affirmation we have here in Canada. When someone goes goes to court or someone uh, uh, offers a, a sworn testimony. And they have to say, I solemnly affirm that the evidence to be given by me shall be the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. All well, that affirmation is made in the context of a sworn testimony. But the question still remains. Are we supposed to tell the truth? To what extent in the context of our relationships? All the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to everybody all the time. Well, I want to take you to, to a story here in the Bible. And it's found in First Samuel 1 Samuel chapter 16 1st Samuel chapter 16 you know the the book of Samuel which the very beginning tells the story of Samuel the prophet you remember Samuel was in the temple with uh, the priest Eli the priest and Samuel heard his name called once twice three times and finally Eli told him, this is God calling you, it's not me. And so, uh, very rapidly, as we read the book of Samuel, it seems that Samuel ages quite fast. Because just about chapter 8, in chapter 8 he's already an old man. And he's almost retiring at that point. And the elders of the people come requesting a king, that they have, that they have a king. And the Lord tells Samuel, yes, you go and anoint a king for them. But the first king of Israel, Saul, uh, made, he did what was not good before the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord was displeased with him. And the Lord called Samuel and said, I have someone else to take the kingdom. And I'm going to send you to Bethlehem, to the house of a man called Jesse. And you're going to anoint someone that I'm going to tell you who he is. One of the sons of Jesse is going to be the king. And God tells Samuel, Go and... Uh, you will anoint the the one, now. I'll tell you. The one exactly, i tell you, out of all the sons of Jesse, there is one. And I'll tell you who he is when you get there. I'll tell you exactly what to do there. Now in verse 2 of chapter 16, 1 Samuel 16, 2, Samuel turns to the Lord and says, But Lord, how can I do that? Because if Saul hears about this, he's going to kill me. I'm done and some people have a problem with this text let's read it let's read what the lord told samuel to do first samuel 16 verse 2 and samuel said how can i go lord if saul hears it he'll kill me but the lord said what take a heifer with you and say i have come to sacrifice to the lord and so apparently some people think well was was the was god telling samuel to lie to hide his purpose that he was going to anoint one of the sons of jesse but the lord is telling him tell uh, take a heifer with you and and you get there and you offer the sacrifice if anyone uh, when you meet someone you just tell them i came to sacrifice an animal to the lord to offer sacrifice to the lord well let's try to understand that but the story is that samuel did go there and as he's entering the city of bethlehem the elders of the city come to his encounter and the elders are, are frightened. And they ask him, are you, have you come in peace? Have you come peaceably? And Samuel says, yes, I have come peaceably. And then he, he invites the elders of the city to, to the sacrifice that he's going to offer. And he invites Jesse and his sons and they go and they offer the sacrifice. And Samuel does exactly what the Lord told him to do. But then after that... He goes to Jesse's house. And in the privacy of Jesse's house. He inspects each one of Jesse's sons. Beginning with the eldest. eldest. And the eldest called Eliab. He was a beautiful, a handsome man. He was tall. And he, he reminded Samuel of Saul himself. He was strong. And Samuel was absolutely convinced. That that was the one who was going to be the king. And you know the story the Lord told him. No, it's not this one. Don't, don't go by the looks. Looks are deceiving. Because I look at the heart and you can't. And so each one of the seven sons of Jesse who were there at the house passed before Samuel. And the Lord never told Samuel that it was one of them. When finally the Lord Samuel asks Jesse, Are these all of your sons? And Jesse says, Oh, well, there is one. It's the youngest. But he's quite young and he's tending the sheep out there. And, and, and Samuel says, so bring him in, call him. And so Samuel sends for, da- for David, and David is brought in. And when David comes, he has this healthy look. He's handsome, and he has character. And Samuel hears the voice of the Lord saying, this is he, anoint him. And Samuel does exactly what the Lord says. And he anoints David in this private ceremony in the house of Jesse in the midst of his brothers. And the Bible says in verse 13 that from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And then Samuel went back to Ramah. So verse 2 as I said seems intriguing because Samuel had uh, direct orders from the Lord to go there and anoint David. Anoint one of the sons of Jesse. He didn't know it was David at that point. But then he says, Lord, if Saul hears about this, uh, he'll kill me. And the Lord says, no, no no reason for you to worry. You take a heifer and you go and, and you say that you were there to offer a sacrifice. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Now we should never, ever, 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 even for a second, think that the character of the Lord is at stake here. That God's integrity is at stake. Because God's integrity and God's character are are come out clearly in the Bible. The Bible is clear about them. Numbers 23, verse 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie. Hebrews 6 18 says that it is impossible for God to lie. And Titus 1 2 says that God who cannot lie has made us the promise. So, truthfulness is a characteristic of God's own being. There is no shadow of doubt in him. He he never ever lies. We cannot question his character. But there are some lessons we can learn from this experience here of Samuel when he went out to anoint David. First, this is what we can learn when God told Samuel to tell that he was going there to offer a sacrifice. God was teaching Samuel, that's the first lesson that we can learn as well. God was teaching Samuel to be a careful custodian of truth. And we have to be careful and responsible custodians of truth ourselves. Samuel could not speak to the elders or to Saul in the same way that he would speak to David. And even though I heard some people say that we are supposed to say the truth, to tell the truth, the whole truth, all the time to everybody. Let's think about it. If you had an elderly person in your family, someone who is 90 years old, and in the same family there is someone who is 18 years old, who is, is in a critical condition in a hospital, and, and the doctors have given that person only one week to live. You would never come to the elderly person... And say, hi, good morning, I came here to tell you that so-and-so is just about to die. And you walk away. You don't do that. There are ways to tell the truth. And you need to be careful. You need to be a careful and responsible custodian of the truth. And that's what the Lord was teaching Samuel. Second, Samuel did not disclose that he was going to anoint David. But he never lied about it either. He came and he was prepared to say, which he did. I came to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. But he was never asked if that's all he was going to do. If Saul or someone would come to his encounter with one of the elders and asked, Is that all you came to do here? Then that would be a, another problem he would have to deal with. But he was never asked... And he disclosed that which was of public interest. And the thing that was of public interest is that he was going there to offer a sacrifice. Now the, the priests and the prophets of God, they would go from place to pla- place ministering to the people. So this was absolutely normal that Samuel would go from his house all the way to Bethlehem to offer a sacrifice. And maybe some of you know but Bethlehem Bethlehem sits just about four and a half miles, seven kilometers south of Jerusalem. So, not too far from where where the kingdom uh, throne was. And so, he was there to minister a sacrifice, and he never lied about it. And the third thing we need to learn here is that concealing of truth may sometimes be a duty. As long as it's not done for deceiving someone. Remember the definition of half-truth? When truth is withheld with the intent of deceiving someone. But sometimes, sometimes the truth has to be concealed as part of your duty. As long as you're not doing that to deceive someone. Let's, let's break it down a little bit. So you don't think I'm preaching heresy here. John chapter 8 verse 59. John chapter 8 verse 59. We see the example of Jesus. Jesus was confronted in his ministry many times. He was confronted by the leaders. He had resistance by the religious leaders of the time. And here in John chapter 8 verse 59, they took up stones to throw at him, to throw at Jesus. After he said that before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Going through the midst of them. And so he passed by. So Jesus escaped a few times. This was not the only occasion in John chapter 12 verse 36. The Bible says that Jesus once again escaped from his uh, opponents verse 36 says while you have the light believe in the light that you may become sons of light these things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them and one more on more than one occasion Jesus remained silent Jesus remained silent when when he was confronted when he was asked in mark chapter 14 verse 61, the Bible says, But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? In the same book of Mark, in chapter 15, verse 5, the Bible says, But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. And then in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 9, Luke chapter 23, verse 9, the Bible says, Then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. He answered him nothing. But Jesus never remained silent. Jesus never withheld part of the truth, not because he had intent to deceive anyone. The Apostle Peter says in Peter 1, 1 Peter 2, Who committed, speaking about Jesus, who committed no sin. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. So why would Jesus withhold the truth at some, or parts of the truth? Why would he not say everything to everyone all the time? Because he said in John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear that you cannot bear them now. So we learn here from this experience that God was not trying to deceive anyone. Saul, had, had, Saul, Saul the king was already disgraced in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord had already rejected him. Saul was no longer privy to the secrets of God. And so God calls Samuel and says, You go there to anoint someone else and you tell them that you are going to offer a sacrifice. And if Samuel had not offered the sacrifice, here's the key thing. If Samuel had not offered the sacrifice, he would never be able to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. The sacrifice was the event that brought them all together. And then he was able to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. So what we learn from that and how do we apply that to our lives? The Biblical counsel, the Biblical uh, injunction is still the same. Do not lie to one another. Nothing but the truth. Do not lie to one another. And sometimes withholding the truth is not the same as lying. Even though popular culture will say, if you're not telling the truth, you're lying. We have to be responsible with the truth that we have. But everything that comes out of our mouth must be the truth. Must be only the truth and nothing but the truth. But we cannot come to people and say, well, this is who I am. I am really sincere. And so, when I come before people, I just say what I have in mind. Because it's the truth. And I got to say it, whether you're hurting someone's feelings or not. No, this is not what the Bible teaches We need to be careful. We need to be careful with what we say. We need to be careful with how we say. And we need to be careful as to whom we say what we have to say. But whatever comes out of our mouth should always be the truth. And I'm sure that in those statistics I showed at the beginning, none of us was ever asked in those surveys, right? We never participated in those surveys. Or the results would have been much better. But here is the counsel that we should be abiding by the truth. And nothing but but the truth should come out of our mouths. Do not lie to one another. Speak the truth and the truth only. But do it in love. And do it responsibly. May the Lord bless us all today.